Welcome, everybody, to the Ride In DFS podcast. This is Pat James. Uh, if you didn't listen to the intro podcast, the reason that I am dubbing it the Ride In podcast is because I will be doing it from my car on my ride to work, probably on Thursday or Friday morning during the season to give you some cash game plays, uh, potentially some GPP plays. Right now, during the preseason, we're going to be talking about a little bit of game theory, uh, some strategy, etc. But I love podcasts, but the fact that I have a family, I have a, a 9-to-5 job, and I also do a ton of written content um, this year for 4for4.com. I just don't have the time uh, to take out of my week to prepare and sit down and just block out an hour or two to hop on any podcasts. Uh, so this was my way. I thought to myself, when do I have free time? That's pretty much the only time that I have to myself where somebody, uh, a kid or whoever is not screaming in my ear or having me drag them to the park, etc. Don't get me wrong, I love it. But this is really my only time uh, to talk football. So I'm just going to talk to myself, basically, which that's all I do in my house anyway. Nobody listens to me, so it'll be like I'm just, uh, just at home at the dinner table and no one listening. So... Uh, today's podcast, I want to talk about college football DFS returning, and I also want to talk about wisdom of the crowd with regards to um, recommending fantasy players for DraftKings and FanDuel. First things first, though, CFB DFS is back. I was pumped for about eight minutes. Uh, I got a DM from a few people, but the first one I saw, the first notification that I got was from Josh Kalachi of Rotocurve, and all it said was, College football DFS exclamation points, and which was funny because when I saw that I got a notification from him, I thought, hmm, I haven't talked to Josh since college football DFS was banned. So basically, now I'm on Twitter. I see that DraftKings tweeted out a GIF of Lee Corso. I'm like a kid on Christmas. I almost dropped my phone right then and there. I fired up the app, looked it up. Lo and behold, there's contests out there already. I tried to start firing reserve. Uh, entries in, and it's not letting me. So I quick tweet at DK Assist, and he comes back at me with some link to uh, regulations, etc., which really didn't explain much because I really thought that Pennsylvania, being a gambling progressive state, would be uh, in the group of states that would allow DFS, uh, college football DFS. However, I was wrong. There's certain legislation that they passed in 2017 allowing DFS, but excluding um, amateur sports. So the fact that my state was proactive in allowing DFS uh, is actually going to shoot me in the foot because they did add to the legislation that amateur sports uh, would be excluded. So for those of you guys that don't know, college football DFS was my baby. I wrote for like seven sites a few years ago. Um, and college football has always been my favorite sport. It was my most profitable DFS sport. So when I heard it was coming back, I was absolutely enthralled. Uh, but now that I can't play, uh, as much as I want to play at least, um, it, it's really, uh, it really hurts. So basically, uh, I live an hour away from New Jersey and maybe on some Saturdays I'll take the ride to uh, a nice Chick-fil-A at the Delaware Water Gap Rest Station uh, hook up to their Wi-Fi and enter some lineups, but I don't think that I could just drop everything on a Saturday morning, every Saturday morning. So, uh, college DFS is probably going to have to 
take a backseat for now until PA gets their act together, which I'm sad about. But at the same time, I, I was kind of overwhelmed when I saw that it was back because I am so heavily invested in NFL and writing content that I, the first thing that I thought was actually, how am I going to write content for both sports? How am I going to play both sports religiously like I used to? Because I just don't have the time. So in a way, maybe it is better that college is not allowed in PA. Just wanted to get on my soapbox there for a second. Uh, now on to wisdom of the crowd. And it's something that uh, I wrestle with a lot when I'm playing DFS because after I do my own research, I definitely um, see what the industry is saying. I love using Fanshare Sports to see who the most tagged players are, who's being recommended. Um, I love listening to influencers around the industry. I like to listen to Pat Mayo's show, uh, The DFS Edge, and kind of gauge what everybody else is thinking. I do like to do my own research first, just so that uh, it's not tainted. There's no bias in it. So I do, I do uh, have a core group of players that I'm targeting for cash and GPP before I listen to anybody else, which I think everybody should do. But then I do uh, kind of take in the wisdom of the crowd, so to speak. And so what I did this offseason was a little bit of research, and I want to share it with you on as to how accurate wisdom of the crowd actually is. And basically what I did, the research was uh, using Fanshare Sports tags. I just looked at how many uh, top-tier players that were recommended as start plays that Fanshare Sports curated. And if you don't know what Fanshare Sports does, they look at all the industry's top influencers and websites, etc., and basically put into a graphic who the most recommended starts are for DFS that week. Um, it's a great resource. You could see where the where the chalk is going to be and who the chalky players are going to be. Um, so what I did was I took the first tier. And how I broke down the first tier was I cut it off where there was a giant gap in recommendations. So some weeks it was one player. Um, I know one week DeAndre Hopkins had like 20 more recommendations than the next wide receiver. So he was in a tier by himself that week. Some weeks when it's not also clear, a lot of times you'll have four guys or five guys right up there with 30 or 40 tags, and then it drops off after that, so that would be a tier. So basically, based on the week, the tiers were different sizes, but I did cut it off when there was a drop-off in recommendations, so that's how I got my tiers. And then I saw if they hit cash game value, which is usually 3x on DraftKings, um, 2.5x on FanDuel, although I did adjust it if there was um, an overly high-scoring week or an overly low-scoring week. Actually, this year on DraftKings, the prices, uh, I should say 2017 on DraftKings, the prices were so tight that the cash line was usually around 130, 135, um, not the 3x, 150 that we've come to know as a standard the last few years. So basically, I, I looked and saw, did they make cash game value? Did they meet GPP value? Uh, and the results are... As follows, positionally, quarterbacks that were in the top tier of recommendations on Fanshare, meaning their chalkiest recommended quarterbacks, met cash game value 74% of the time, which is a pretty good hit rate. Running backs in cash met value 56% of the time, wide receiver 34% of the time, and tight end 58% of the time. As far as GPP goes, Quarterbacks met value 37% of the time. Running backs met value 22% of the time. Wide receivers met value 13% of the time. And tight end met value 
28% of the time. So if you take a look at that, quarterback, obviously the easiest to predict. We kind of knew that. We know um, who's going to score. The Vegas lines, um, which a lot of people go by, are something that quarterback scoring is very correlated to because they're touchdown dependent, they're efficiency dependent. When they get a lot of, when the team scores a lot of points, quarterback is obviously going to score a lot of points. Um, running back and tight end were right around a little bit more than half of a hit rate in cash, which again is pretty good. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you can definitely have a takeaway here that the wisdom, the quote unquote wisdom of the crowd isn't, uh, should I say, uh, a definite, especially at wide receiver. Um, in cash, only 34% of wide receivers hit uh, as far as recommended tiers, and then only 13% of wide receivers hit as far as a GPP. Uh, some other trends I looked at, weekly accuracy, there really wasn't much uh, much of a trend as far as weekly accuracy goes uh, across the season. It was a little bit of a bell curve meaning the beginning weeks were a little shaky. Uh, they, they weren't as accurate as the middle weeks. And then at the end, when you would think everybody would have their act together with recommending DFS plays, uh, the end got pretty, pretty scary too. And I think that might be because week 16, 17, a lot of teams are either in or out of the playoffs. They might be experimenting with new things or new rotations. So it's not always exactly 100% clear the touches um, or targets, or playing time that certain players are guaranteed. The biggest trend that I found, though, was tag concentration. Uh, and basically this goes by tiers. So when there was only one player in a tier, when I looked at the weeks 1 through 17, when only one player was in that top tier, meaning one player separated themselves by a large amount of tags from the second player, they hit at a rate of almost 70%. Uh, when that tier expanded, when the top tier expanded to two players, they hit at 65%. When the top tier expanded to three players, it hit at 51%. And basically it was an exact negative correlation uh, all the way down. So basically what I'm saying here, what we could take away is that the more players that are crunched together at the top, uh, probably the less accurate they're going to be. When there's one player that is really separating themselves, I know it's, it's usually because there is um, a very obvious value due to an injury. I know Giovanni Bernard uh, was a runaway recommendation towards the end of the season when Joe Mixon got hurt he was like 3200 and he put up 20 DK points so that was obviously a hit in both cash and GPP but tag concentration when you're looking at Fanshare Sports or when you're looking uh, through different sites and you see that there is one player that is being recommended the most that usually will indicate that uh, it's a very strong play um, on the flip side, when you open up FanShare Sports and there's six receivers or six tight ends that have almost identical amounts of start recommendations, you can probably bet that they're going to be less accurate. And not only because there is uh, more players there, but it just that particular week, it just sounds like 
where it feels like the industry can't put their finger on the pulse of the position and recommend one player. So everybody's all over the map, which leads to a little bit of inaccuracy in the recommendations. So basically, I just have uh, some takeaways here. Chalk quarterbacks, I would recommend you get them into your cash game lineups just because they quarterbacks usually are the easiest to predict. Uh, I would go as far as saying that I want my cash game quarterback to be a chalky quarterback. Not, that's not hard and fast, but I really do think that uh, quarterback, you don't need to stray far from the pack. Um, as far as the other positions, though, I wouldn't say that you have to necessarily come off a guy that you really like if the wisdom of the crowd doesn't like them. Um, but at the same time, if, some, if, if your favorite cash game plays are the guys that are being recommended, I wouldn't come off them either. Obviously, if a lot of people are recommending them, there is some obvious value there. Position-wise, uh, just quarterbacks I would, I would get in my cash game lineup. So that's the takeaway there. Most likely due to the volatile nature of the wide receiver position, they have a low hit rate, right? So targets are something that are not guaranteed week to week for most NFL wide receivers. And then a lot of wide receivers' targets are, as I said, volatile, like a Tyreek Hill. He might get two or three deep balls every week, but the week that he does catch the 80-yard touchdown is the week that he crushes value. The week that he doesn't catch them, then he's two for 40, and you are getting crushed with Tyreek Hill. So for that reason, I say do your own thing. Um, slot into your lineups the wide receivers that you feel most confident about. You really don't have to uh, go against, or excuse me, go with the grain as far as uh, wide receivers are concerned. And uh, to be honest, in GPPs, I think we could also say that there's merit to fading all of or most of the top options at wide receivers since they have such a low hit rate. Um, in cash, though, for wide receivers, we obviously like guys that are going to get a ton of targets, but also low A dot, low average depth of target, like Julian Edelman, like Jarvis Landry, guys who you know if they get seven or eight targets, they're probably catching five or six passes. Uh, definitely raises the floor uh, for your cash game rosters. Uh, like I said, when one player separates themselves in a tier, you definitely want to be on those players. They have a, a very high hit rate, around 70%, when there is one, or even two is 65%. So I'd say when there's only one or two guys in a tier on Fanshare Sports uh, tag recommendations, definitely take a look at them. And just to close out, uh, we have to keep in mind that this is 17 data points. So over the course of the season, you can definitely see trends. But the fact that it's only one season and there's only 17 weeks in uh, an NFL season, sample size is obviously an issue. I will continue to monitor this with Fanshare Sports throughout this season. And as the seasons build up, maybe we can get a more definitive trend. But I think uh, it kind of uh, backtests what we've thought all along. Quarterbacks are easy to predict. Wide receivers are hard to predict. But I do like adding the idea that uh, we can fade the top projected wide receivers or the top recommended wide receivers because their hit rates are so low. 
Okay, guys, that's it for the Wisdom of the Crowd Quick DFS Podcast. I'm about to go into this pizza place, get some dinner for the fam for tonight. That was my 15-minute ride or so to uh, Basilico's Pizzeria. Hope you enjoyed it. I don't know. uh, These are going to be pretty random throughout the course of the preseason. They will start to be on a schedule once the season actually hits. All right. Good luck in your preseason contests until until week one. See you later.